If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There are four actions in the first half of the sentence that apply to you and me. He says, if my people who are called by my name, if that's you, say, that's me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Who's he speaking to? Say, that's me. So there's one thing. We'll humble themselves. Well, two, and pray. Say, that's me. And seek my face. That's me. No, you're starting to fade here. No, 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 no. See, you're supposed to be engaged in this process. So he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That's me. And pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Who's that talking about? God. Then I will hear from heaven. That's God. And he will forgive their sins. That's God. And will heal their land. That's God. In the first part of the sentence, there are four action words. The action words mean we should do something. And if we do these four things, then I will. So that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And if, I, if there's four, thing, four things are satisfied, then God, then God, then God. And what does he say here? He says, first of all, humble. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What does humility look like? The word used here comes from another word that means to bend the knee or to bow. In Western culture, we don't have this custom of bowing. But some cultures around the world still do. And if you've ever watched movies like Anna and the King, you will see this very action taking place when the king enters. People bow. His children bow, face to the ground. And that's an action of humility or a demonstration of humility. But the action itself, the action of bowing, is not necessarily a humble action. It might just be one of fear of the consequence of not bowing. We have to keep that in mind. So it reminds me of a, of a, a mom who was, was in her car driving her child to school. Little fella, so he's sitting in the seat next to her, and she turns and looks at him. He's standing in his seat. He's not seated like he's supposed to be standing in his seat. And of course, good mothers will tell their child to do what? Sit down. And so she does. Sweetheart, you need to sit down. <laughs> this is dangerous. If I break, if I break really quickly, you're, you're going to go flying forward. That's not good. And so the little boy's response was not one of compliance. It, it was a quick no. No! So she got a little more firm and said, said, Sweetheart, you really need to sit down. This is dangerous. I cannot have you stand in the car. And he repeats in a little more defiant tone, No! As she's trying to drive... With one hand, she reaches over with her other hand, the near hand, and of course, takes her child and pulls him to his seat. He's a lot irritated by this, this event, these, these turn of events. He sits there just sullen for a moment, and he says, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Is he actually demonstrating humility? And the answer is no. Outwardly, he's giving a show of humility, but inwardly, he told us what his attitude is. And his attitude is still one of defiance. I'm standing on the inside. Have you ever had children argue with one another and you wanted one to apologize to the other? You need to apologize to your sister. Sorry. They've said the words, but the attitude of a changed heart is not present. As we raise our children and train them, we want them to get 
beyond just the mere appearance of something and have a heart that is consistent with the action. And God is looking for our hearts to be consistent with the action as well. We just read that God looks at the heart. We could give the impression to everyone in the room that we are humble, but God looks in the inside and says, hmm, you know, David, <laughs> all these people that around thinking you're all, the, you know, you're all just so tenderhearted and humble, but you're, you're being a little tough here, son, and uh, your, your heart is a little hard. <laughs> you're being a little difficult with me. Right? God looks at that, and he will deal with us kindly, but he will deal with us. He'll deal with us firmly. He's looking for humility. And so if my people will call, uh, who are called by my name will humble themselves. Who's he talking about? Us. So to say, that's me. He's calling us to be humble before him. A knee bent outwardly should be a sign of a heart humbled inwardly. And God has called us to live lives of humility with him and with one another. Humility is not a natural behavior that we just extend. God's calling us to be humble. Why, though? He's given us some things. He said, man, if you do these things, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll hear their land. It would serve us well if we actually did all four. And one of them starts out with humility. Let's be humble before God. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will exalt you or he will lift you up. Living in this world, we grow up in this environment where we watch how the game is played and we discover that it's not about humility. As my father would say, it's a dog-eat-dog world. You've got to be the bigger dog. If you have to walk on people, if you have to step on people, if you have to lie about people, you Right? That's the way of the world, and we are in the world. We're not supposed to be molded into its way of doing things, but we are in it, and, and it gets off on us sometimes. I'm old enough to remember the moon missions. July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I do remember when they came back. The capsule are in, re-enters the Earth's atmosphere. The parachute deploys. It splashes in the water. The Navy's there to retrieve it, to get the men out, bring them onto the ship. And what I remember distinctly about those, those times, every time there was a moon landing or these men went out of outer space, when they came back and they were retrieved from the ocean, they were put in quarantine. They were taken aboard, and they, they went behind this door that had a window in it, and they could just look at you through the window. Because in those days... Scientists didn't know what was out in space, and so they didn't want them to contaminate everybody else on the vessel until they kind of checked this out. So they went into quarantine. And sometimes the best thing we can do when we go out in the world and we come back, come on, we've got that contamination on us. If you're aware the contamination's on you, you would do well to put yourself in quarantine. I need to go to my room, <laughs> shut the door, stay away from people for a little bit until I'm sure it's safe. <laughs> or maybe you need to, to step in the shower and... <laughs> Get that stuff off of you. Because sometimes it gets on us and it sticks. And so we have to get in that environment to remove it so we can go back out and be the God-loving people that we're called to be. That we exercise humility with those in our family and exercise humility with those in the body of Christ and even those outside the body of Christ. Imagine that. So he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, say, that's me. And then he said a second thing, and pray. Humble themselves and pray. Now, I know prayer comes in a variety of flavors. Prayer means a lot of different things. 
But one thing prayer means is making requests known to God or asking God for things or entreating God in some way. That's how I'm going to look at it here, but I'm aware that prayer means other things as well. Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we have this Old Testament say, if these, my people will humble themselves and pray, and the New Testament says, pray. Pray about everything. Do it with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. Another verse in the Bible, uh, James 4.2 says, you don't have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. And another version says it this way, you do not have the things you want because you do not, you do not pray for them. So if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will bend their knee and pray. And I would suggest this to you, that if we are not praying people, either we don't see the power in prayer, or perhaps we have the attitude, I got this. Why do I need to pray? I got this. I've done these other things by myself. I don't need to pray about this. Pray for a job. I'll just go in there and show them how good I am. They're going to hire me anyway. Now, that's not humility. That's cocky and arrogant. And some people, it might actually pay off for them. What they're saying might actually bear itself out. I went there and said, listen, I'm the guy you need. And they hired me. You're like, huh. So I'm not saying that in the world system, if you operate by the world system, I'm not saying it doesn't have its place. Because if you play according to the world's rules, then there are benefits to that. Short term, but benefits. But he said, if, you, if the, my people will humble themselves and pray... And again, I'm going to submit to you that prayer is an act of humility. That we actually stop, reflect, and recognize that without him, we can do nothing. So we come to him, and we bend our knee, and we open our heart to him. We honor him and recognize him for his goodness, his greatness. We thank him for all that he's done in our lives and what he is continuing to do. And then we make requests known to him with the understanding that I can't do this without you. Growing up in America, I heard what probably every child hears. You can be anything you want to be, and you can do anything you want to do. I believed it. The problem with it is that I wasn't given a broader picture, so I figured it's all about me, hard work, doing whatever I want to get what I want. And in hindsight, I realized, yeah, I did some things that I put my mind to, of course, the more important thing is that God has actually guided my life in the last who knows how many years, and things have gone so much better with him. So much better with him. It's, it, you know what would be really nice if kids go off to college and they actually sought God before they went? To number one, know if they should even be going. And number two, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'd like to think that young people would pray. I'd like to think that old people would pray. I'd like to think that people in the middle would pray. Seek God. Find out what he wants for them. No matter what age you are, you would do well to seek God. See what he wants, wants to use you for. God has something for every one of us. And he said, if my, my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, bend their knee, and pray, ask me, ask me, talk to me with thanksgiving, I'm going to hear. I'm going to respond. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and seek my face, and seek my face. Another translation says, seek my presence. It's not about coming to church. It's about seeking his presence and having an awareness of his presence in your waking moments and perhaps even when you sleep. What does it mean to seek something? 
Well, we know that our, the human body can go sometimes several weeks without food before it completely shuts down. But it only takes a matter of days without water before the organs in our body start shutting down. And without water for a, actually a more brief period of time, our bodies will eventually just stop altogether. They'll quit. Water is extremely important. Man, have you ever been thirsty in your life? Like thirsty, thirsty. I went to work the other day, and there was no water in my lunch on that particular day. And I thought, well, that's not good. By the time I got home, my body said, give me water. That's seeking after. That's craving. That's longing for. The water is, the, is a necessity for my life. For this physical body of mine, water is a necessity. How much more is seeking the Lord's presence a necessity for us spiritually? that we would seek after him in the way we would seek after water itself. Psalm 42 says, As a deer thirsts for streams of water, so my soul thirsts or longs for you, O God. If you've ever had a dog, you know what panting is. <laughs> if you take them out and it's hot, that's how they try to cool down because they don't sweat. And have you ever been to the place you realize your dog's not just hot, but they are thirsty? Then you got to a place where you get them a little cup or a bowl of water, and what do they do? Man, they stick their muzzle in there, and they make a mess. And they're enjoying that waters. And so the Bible says again that as a deer pants for water or longs or thirsts for water, so my soul longs after you. And so he said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seek my face, seek my face. God said in Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I like that. God telling his children, if you seek me, you will find me. This is not a game I'm playing, hide and seek, where I go and really try to hide so you never can discover where I am. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you search for me with all your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 8, Everyone who seeks, finds. This is good news. If my people, say that's me, who are called by my name will humble themselves, say that's me, and pray, and seek my face. And then the fourth thing was, and turn from their wicked ways. And turn from their wicked ways. You might be familiar with the word turn because in the New Testament it's actually related to the word repent. Repent. I used to live in a city that had many churches, and the one youth group in that town, not the one youth group, but one youth group in the town of many youth groups, the name of the youth group was 180. Because repenting is turning around. Repenting is doing a 180. Repenting is changing from the direction you're going to complete opposite direction. If you're living for the devil, that's going this way. You repent, man, you're moving into God now. That's what repentance is. It's a big word that I think a lot of people are confused about. And again, it just means turning. Turning and going the other way. If you've ever drove, driven with your GPS and you missed your turn, it starts talking to you. Take the next left. Next left. It's like it's, like it's like yelling at you. Left now. Left now. Left now. Left now. Okay, go another quarter mile and make a right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> the quickest way to get moving in the opposite direction is to take the U-turn. And it's not to delay or wait until you get down the road. It's to take the next off-ramp. Go under the 
overpass and get back on going the other direction. Moving in the direction of God. So turn. If my people would turn. Turn from what? From their wicked ways. Well, if I'm turning from wickedness, then over here must be righteousness. If I'm turning from the, the lifestyle of Satan or the devil, then I'm turning to the lifestyle of Jesus or righteousness or godliness. This is what repenting is. This is what turning is. So he said, my people, called by my name, four things I'd like you to do. One, humble yourself. Two, pray. Three, seek my face or my presence. Four, turn from your wicked ways that I will do some things. Now, regarding the word repent, in Acts 3.19, this is from the Amplified, it says, so repent, change your mind and purpose. Turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Listen, if you get off of hell's highway and you turn into the very things of God, righteousness, holiness, godliness, there is a refreshing that comes with that. Across the hall from my classroom is a chemistry classroom. There's a shower in that room, and it's not a difficult shower to operate. Pull this thing and the water starts pouring out on you. If you're in a a chemistry classroom, you happen to get some chemicals on you or it starts burning your clothes or it's in your hair, man, you go into that thing and pull that string and you let that water flow and wash that stuff out. Man, what is it? It's refreshing. It's refreshing. When we turn from our sinful ways into the presence of God and the ways of God, the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God, the holiness of God, it's refreshing. (sighs) It's refreshing. This This is where I belong. It's not the rat race. It's not the dog eat dog world. It's not having to compete and compete and compete and compete. Trying to get a leg up on the other person who's going for the same job. Trying to outperform, outlast. Just coming in the the plan and purpose of God. Let him do the heavy lifting. Let him make the way for me. So if my people say, that's me, who are called by my name, will humble themselves. Come on, don't get quiet. And pray, that's me, and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. And so when you're saying that's me, you're saying you're going to humble, humble yourself. You're going to pray. You're going to seek his face or his presence. And you're going to turn your life in the direction of righteousness, godliness, and holiness. Those are our actions. Here's God's reaction. Then I will hear from heaven. What's the verb in that sentence? Hear. And I will forgive their sin. What's the verb? Forgive. And I'll heal their land. What's the verb? And so he said, I'll hear, I'll forgive, and I'll heal. And these are powerful words. Powerful words. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so we've humbled ourselves and prayed and we're seeking his face and we've turned from our wicked ways. He hears us and we can be sure that he hears us. And when we pray according to his will, we can be sure that he hears us. We have confidence that he hears us. That's good news. So when the devil comes and says, God doesn't hear you, he's not listening to you. And surely he does. I know he does. He tells it to every one of us. Trying to discourage us. I know you hear these stories of people talking about how they heard from God, but he doesn't hear you, honey. I'm sorry. He doesn't listen to you. And then if he's not getting through to you, then he starts bringing out his book where he's kept a record of wrong. 
And if you're unaware that God for, has forgiven you and you've actually sought that forgiveness and you're unaware of that, then you become condemned by this record that he presents to you. And then on March 29th, and then again on the 30th, and boy, April 3rd and 4th and 5th, right, he just keeps, he keeps nagging you. Why? Because he's trying to persuade you that God, God will not listen to you, you heathen. But he said, no, 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 no. If we turn from our wicked ways, God's going to hear us. 1 John 1, 9, you might be familiar with it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This particular verse is not written to non-believers. It's written to people who have already given, given their life to Christ. That's the beautiful thing that you need to know. If you confess your sin, but I'm a believer. If I sin, that just must be the end of the road for me. Now, he was aware that there would be a perpetual problem while we're in this body, that sin would be constantly nagging us. It doesn't mean we can't get the victory, but sometimes it gets the victory over us. But it doesn't mean we can't walk in victory or live in victory because we can. But being aware that, there, that sin is always nipping at our heels, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all wickedness or unrighteousness. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive them of their sins. <laughs> Come on. That's good news. And I will heal their land. I will heal their land. And I'll end with this because this would be an entire other message actually. And that is that our land needs healed. And I don't mean the soil, I mean our country, our nation. It starts at the small with one believer, two believers, three believers. Our, our community needs healed. And I don't mean the community of believers here, I mean the community in which we live. It needs healed. Our state needs healed. Our nation needs healed. Our world needs healed. He said if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face or my presence, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. There are so many people in the body of Christ who want political solutions to spiritual issues. They want this candidate. They want this law. They want this rule. They, they want the courts. To, and I'm not saying there's not a place for us to be involved. I'm not saying that, so do not think I'm telling you you should not be politically involved. I'm saying that, according to Scripture, God doesn't say, if you vote for the right person, if you get involved politically, if you go and you're involved in a political action committee, if you go to these rallies, that I'll heal your land. He doesn't say any of those things. Because you know what all those are? Works of the flesh. It's back to the beginning. I don't need you. I, I solve my own problems. And that's not humility. That's cockiness and arrogance. I got this. You vote for me, I'll solve your problems. I'm the guy. I'm the man for the hour. And the truth is, our nation is in desperate need of healing, but it is a spiritual healing that needs to take place. And this healing is only going to come through people in the church who are going to humble themselves and pray. 
and seek after God's presence. Call down the anointing of God. Some people want to call down the fire of God, but the fire they want is to consume evil. But God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not about destroying lives. He's about saving lives. That doesn't mean we're siding with evil. It doesn't mean we're saying, that's okay. That crazy behavior is okay. No, 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 no. But God's, God's waiting as long as he is because there are lives hanging in the balance. And all we see is evil. And come on, Jesus, come back. And he's saying, but are you unaware the fields are white? The harvest is ready. Don't, tell, don't, don't, don't keep calling me back right now. Pray ye the Lord. Come on. Back, he goes right there and he says, pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. He'll send forth laborers into the field. To do what? To bring the harvest in. That's inspired. That's God speaking to you and me right now. Guaranteed. I want him to come back as desperately as some of you do. And I'm tired of evil, and I'm tired of crazy, and I'm tired of foolishness, and I'm tired of the arrogance of people who are so staunch in their wickedness. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Let's pull the word sinner out and make it a little more profound for you. While we lived in wickedness, Christ died for the wicked. We can't have an attitude, got mine, I'm going home. Man, somebody took the time with me, told me about, there were several somebodies in my life, told me about Jesus. And I'd like to think, and I'm pretty sure it's true, they did not want to see me go to hell. They thought, this kid is a crazy boy. He needs help. Don't like that behavior, don't like that behavior, but he needs Jesus. And I'm so thankful that they realized that I needed Jesus. Took the time to tell me about him. I was a polite child, but inside sometimes I was like, you know, I, I didn't roll my eyes outwardly, but inside I was probably like, but God didn't give up on me. People didn't give up on me. The word of God was preached. I received Christ. My life has never been the same. It's not that my life has not had difficulty, trial, or trouble. But he has made many promises to me that have come true. He's always with me. He's never left me. And I get victory after victory after victory. Snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Every time the devil thinks he has me, the Lord comes through. And all that does is more firmly establish, yes, what you declared is true. I'm not going back. I'm going to continue to stand on what you have said. And when other people call me crazy and believing in a book that's ancient and this is the 21st century and you're just stupid for believing those things, I'm going to say hey, I'm going to be as stupid as I've always been and continue, call me simple-minded, I'm going to continue believing it because it's that simple. My people say, that's me, who are called by my name, who would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Come on, and then God's going to do some things. Let's expect it. Let's expect God to do some things.